So in verse 1, chapter 11, verse 1, it says, And now it came to pass, um, as he prayed in a certain place, and when he had ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now, Jesus is praying. I'm sure there's many times he was praying, so you, you don't know exactly the scene. It could have been early in the morning or something, and Jesus is there praying, and the disciples are there watching him pray, listening to him pray, and, and as he's praying, the, the, this question becomes, you know, teach us how to pray. Show us how to pray in the sense, and um, or teach us to pray, not even how, but to, right? And um, they waited until he was done praying because they're watching him. So there's, they're kind of amazed at this situation, right? They're looking at him. It's intriguing enough. They want to know more, right? There's been, ever been a situation you watch somebody do something and you're like, wow, wow, that's awesome. I, I want to see how to do that, right? I want to see what that's like. And they knew of people. This wasn't like a new concept, like, oh, what's prayer? You know, the Jewish people prayed all the time. They had, you know, men that prayed. There was prayer was a very much a part of their, their life, their culture. Um, you know, what to pray, when to pray, how to pray, where to pray, how long to pray. Um, you know, the Jews used to say, you know, it was like if you got a group of the Jewish priests praying together, whoever prayed the longest got their prayer answered was the thought. So you can imagine, you know, you think you have some people in this church that have the gift of prayer, <laughs> you know, go a long ways, right? You know, you, you ever heard it said, you know, um, you know, somebody starts to pray and, and as, as for the first five minutes, we're in agreement with you. For the, for the next five minutes, we're praying for you. And the next five minutes, we're praying that you would just stop. No, you know, sometimes people can really pray. But, you know, I'm, I'm not that shy. But anyways, and, and so, and that, I, didn't, I didn't come up with that, by the way. Okay, there's, they're, they're, they're actually, this is historic. Some of those comments, those comments were made over 200 years ago. So, okay, and, and that, they were a lot more lenient than we are, um, as far as their time and press. But, so you see these things, and... You look, and so the Jews had this whole thing, and, and rabbis would teach their disciples how to pray, and it wasn't even that. You could buy prayers for things, like remedies, like health things. So this was common thought of, hey, if you buy, you know, you get this certain prayer, you pray this certain thing, this will happen. It was like potions, part of my, you know, their culture very much in this sense. So it was common, it would have been common for, for Jesus to even teach his disciples, say some prayers, you know. Well, this is for this, this is for that, this is how you deal with this situation, you say these certain prayers. And, and you, you see it um, very much even to this day in certain things. I mean, if you go into a Christian bookstore and go to a section on prayer, you know, there's a whole section on how you're to pray to this or that. And, I, you know, over the years we've had people, really good-meaning people, go, you know, well, if you just prayed this way, your prayers would be answered. It's like, oh, I missed it, you know. And, and sadly, there's even whole religions that are based on some things by having the right, um, if you would, potion or, or, you know, the right prayer, the right, you know, pieces in it. If you get the right pieces, then God has to do what you said or you can't even talk to him, you know. Um, Jehovah's Witness, the whole reason they got the right name of God, so they're the only ones talking to God. They're the only ones that can because they have this specific name to be able to talk to him. And I, I love talking with them because my thought is, okay, so let me get this right. You have a dad. He's an Olympic swimmer. He's been training all his life. He's been trained on how to rescue people. He's got all these gold medals. He's sitting there on the beach, and if his son's drowning, 
And the son yells out, Dad, help. And he goes, well, that's not my full name. I'm going to wait until he uses my right name. I'm not going to, no, that's not the God we serve. That's twisted, right? But they, they, they start to go, wait a minute, you didn't, you know, God really wants to take care of you, but you just, you know, I know you've been praying because of this problem in your life for the last 10 years, but you just messed up the potion or the, you know, the order of things. And so therefore he's not going to talk. No, that's not the God we serve by any means. And so as we look at this and Jesus brings these things out, it isn't a, a how to pray in a sense, but it's more teach us to pray. Teach us to be praying. We want to see how this relationship works. And so I love the fact just right here in Scripture, it says a certain place. Do you know where that certain place was? Well, we know he prayed in the desert. We know he prayed in the hills. We know he prayed in the garden. We know he, were, he prayed all kinds of places, right? You know why it says a certain place and doesn't name the place here? Because we'd be all praying there. That's where we think we'd have to go to pray. So a certain place, okay? But in Matthew, it talks about in a secret place, not out in front of everybody praying in front of everybody, right? So I just love little things like a certain place when he ceased. You know, so they're watching him, and, and there isn't a place here on earth that's, that's going to be good enough or better. You know, how many places, oh, there's a special magnetic ore and groups go there to have this connection with God or, you know, oh, it's got to be in a church, you know. And God can work with our hang-ups on those things, but there isn't one place better than another place. There's no place where God isn't and he cannot hear you. And more from the place of where you're at, I guess, would be more important is where the place is where your heart is at, where it's coming from, for what purpose, Right? But, and God even brings us out in Matthew, like I said, in a secret place. Go, don't do it out and show in front of people. Go do it where it's quiet, secret, where it's just your heart and me, where you're not concerned about anybody else around, right? And so, where it comes from, and it, it's interesting when you see, it's like, um, you know, some situations, kind of trying to think of how, how this would look, you know. We, we get strange looks, me and my wife, as we flirt, especially in front of our kids. We've been married 20 years, we flirt. And I can, you know, mom and dad are kind of flirting. But when you see an older couple that have been married a long time, and they're, you know, being cute with each other and flirting, it's special. You can see, wow, they have something really special. And rarely is that flirting like quoting poetry. It's not like, oh, i got to write that down when it's good. No, that's just awkward and weird and goofy, but it's their thing, and it's sweet, right? It wasn't that Jesus had this great, elegant prayer, they were looking at what they saw was he is talking and praying in a manner where there's a clear relationship whoa this is awesome wow this is this is different Jesus prays to the father and there's this relationship we can see this truth it, it's something special it's something set apart and even even so much more than than when you see that re, in a relationship a marriage relationship a hundred times more with Jesus right sitting there praying, talking to the Father, talking to his Father. And they want, I want to pray like that. I want to have this kind of communication with the God of gods. Now, you know, it's funny because they've kind of seen an example of that. You, you notice the example right here, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Well, John taught the disciples, and John was definitely against the, the norm of religion. I mean, he had every right to be a priest in and there, and he's out in the wilderness, right? So John had a relationship that was evident. Here's the only example we can think. Teach us to pray. Look, John was kind of like that, and he taught his disciples. Teach us the same way. We want to have this closeness, this relationship. And so Jesus answers them, and he says, in verse 2, he said, So he said to them, when you pray, say this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And at first, you know, 
being in the church, I've read through the Lord's Prayer, and you go, okay. And even studying for it, and when I started a couple weeks, I said, okay, I know what this is about, kind of I know the order and the whys of something. But you slowly sit down and you go, just look at that statement. Wow, right? God, our Father. Now, one of the things I've always kind of struggled with to just grasp, especially being raised in the church, is you say God, and I'm like, yeah, God. You know, I love it when I, when I get some of one of these new guys accept Christ in my truck, and they're sitting there or whatever, and we're out. Or you get a new believer, and they're like, God made that tree. You're like, yeah, of course. You know, but we forget how big and awesome our God is, right? God, our Father. Who are we addressing? That's important, right? If you're going to pray to somebody, it's important to understand who you're praying to. And, if, you know, if, I, if you're going to pray to, uh, whatever, Buddha, good luck. I mean, let's look at our God, right? And so I kind of, um, I remember just, you know, some things I've, I've heard and kind of got online and started looking, okay? And so I, I got some illustrations for you here. I got a, a golf ball. So I was looking at, okay, a hydrogen atom, okay? If, if a hydrogen atom, the nucleus, the, the proton was the size of a golf ball, okay? Okay, so we got a size of a golf ball. Where would the electron, positively charged, negatively charged, which we don't know why they do that and stay together, where would the electron be? Any guesses? How about Home Depot? That's what makes up everything you see and you're sitting on. There's that big of a gap between it. Ooh, we don't exist, do we? There's nothing holding you together but a little sparks electron, right? So you got that, and so you got a, 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 about a mile away, the electron, and it's floating around it, right? Spinning around it, attracted. If it blew apart, we'd have a nuclear reaction. We'd all be dead, right? This would be bad. So you have that flying around the thing at 100 times a second, right? That's moving, right? So that's pretty scary, right? On a, on a, on a low level, that's our God, right? On, on the other end of that, okay, if, if, if you had a mustard seed or a grain of sugar, okay, which you, you can't see here, it's there, okay? That's us, that's our sun, okay? 109 times bigger than us, okay? So that's pretty big. Okay, let, let's go bigger. The biggest sun they found is, right as of right now, is uh, VY, um, I'm going to mess this name up, so don't quote me on it. V, VY Sconimus Majoris is a billion times bigger than our sun, okay? Just, so, how do you put, okay, if that's us and that's 109 times, how much bigger is a billion times bigger than a golf ball? Whew. Right, God's powerful. To even just start that thing, right? The power it would take to heat that thing up and get it moving, that gas burning. It's insane to think of how huge our God is. And if you've ever sat through anything and saw us and the universe and how big that is, right? And how far apart these things are. Number one, if we're a golf ball, right? And the earth is that, that, that grain of sand, which you cannot see in my hand, or a mustard seed, right? The earth is about in the foyer, by the way. That's a little distance, right? And then you have this huge star that's that just encompassing. You realize, okay, the fastest trip we've taken around the earth in a jet, right? Okay, is 41 hours, seven minutes. Fastest they could get around the earth going west, okay? That same speed to go around this star would take you just about 550 million years at the same speed, okay? So perspective, a little big, right? 
And so that's the God we serve. So when you sit there and you realize, man, the God we serve, we can forget. Now, the Jewish people at this time wouldn't have, right? They didn't even want to pronounce his name. They didn't even want to say his name out loud. They had such reverence for who God was. And for Jesus to sit there, for these people don't even want to pronounce their name and say, we're going to pray to God my Father. No. God our Father. God our Father. That puts everything in perspective, right? When you're a little kid and you're going through something and you're having a bad day, right, or you need mommy, you stub your toe, that all makes a difference. I got mom, okay, I'm bleeding out, I'm good, right? Better yet, dad shows up, he's Superman. God, our father, right? A lot better than Superman. And so when you slow down, you go, okay, that's how God wants us to start out. Not God, king, come humbly, servant, he wants us to come to him as a child. God, our Father. What an amazing thing when you slow down and you look at it. You know, and, and you look at just that creation. You know, I love Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, okay, all, those, you know, the, all the atoms and that huge sun, okay, all summed up in Genesis 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens earth. Yeah, that was it. Right there, all done. You know, there's just no way to compare our God. Hollywood or holy be their name, set apart as who he is. There's nobody like him. And it's interesting, it really puts perspective. If you're coming to God with a problem, right, no matter how small, no matter how big, does that put a perspective on things? God, this is too big for you. Oh, God, this is just a little... No, he... He's in it all. He's created it all. He understands it all. And there's nothing too big or hard for us. I mean, if you're struggling this morning and something's going on and you think just there's no way in this situation God can work, you're wrong. That's not the God we serve. When we say, hey, God our Father, hallowed be your name. What a perspective to start out with, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know... God, you're all control, and your kingdom come. Your kingdom, not my kingdom, my, not this world's kingdom, not any other kingdom. Your, your kingdom, your will, your plans, as earth on earth as it is in heaven now. Everywhere. We want your kingdom to rule everywhere, and your will to be everywhere. Let's, let's get this perspective. Not my will, right? If we pray according to Tim's will, and God always answered, it would be in deep trouble very quickly. Simple as that. I mean, we, we're, we're all, we all have, you know, anybody that's had a kid knows if you answered your child's will, how foolish that would be. How much more foolish of God just saying yes to everything we pray for. And so it's his will, not my plans, but his will, right? Verse 3, it says, give us day by day our daily bread. What we need just each and every day. Not abundance of what we need. Could you imagine if it said, give us Year by year, our daily bread. How much bread do you got to carry around? <laughs> you get one shipment every year. You're like, ah, i got to make it last. Somebody's going to steal it. No, just provide what we need for today. That's all we need is what we got for today. Right? You don't need to worry. You know, you, you look at in Matthew, and it, it goes through Matthew uh, 6, 26. It, it talks about how God provides. Do not worry. You know, he provides for the lilies of the fields. He provides for the birds of the air. How much more does God care for you? You know what I mean? Give us just what you need. The amazing thing is, he wants us to ask for what we need. Right? Sometimes, I don't know about you, I'm kind of just assumption, God, you know what I need, so why don't you just do it? Do I got to talk to you about it? 
you know, that doesn't work out too well in my marriage either. <laughs> Just saying, right? Hey, honey, don't you know? No, can't read your mind. 20 years and she still can't read my mind. I just don't get it. But um, we're working on it now. But you see, and, and he says, day, just our daily bread, just what we need today to get by. And verse 4, it says, and forgive us our sins for, for all we all him. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. It's fine and kind of interesting when you sit there and go, right, forgive us our sins. Didn't say forgive you if we have sinned. Like it's a pre-assumption. He's sitting here talking to his 12. Forgive us our sins because we sin. You know, in the sense of them, not him. He was sinless. That's why this is a model prayer for us, not what he'd be praying. You know, forgive us our sins. The amazing thing is, this is before the cross. Ain't it? You think that? Forgive us our sins. He hasn't even gone and paid for their sin yet. Many times we come to God and it's like, we think he's going to answer that. How do you, you know, how do you put this in? I once was told, you know, when you go to Christ and you go, God, can you forgive me? For, you know, I blew it. Can you forgive me, Lord? And the answer isn't yes. The answer is, I already have. You know, we put ourselves in a situation and in sin that God's already taken care of and dealt with. And the only reason we're still in that sin and we're in that bondage is because we've chosen to stay there. If you're in sin and you feel, oh, I feel guilty, I'm doing it. The door's open, the sin's been paid for, it's been done, be done with it. Forgive us our sins. It can be forgiven, it has been forgiven. And so, forgive us our sins. And those who are in debt to us. This would have been another kind of cultural shocking thing. At that time, if somebody was debt to you, there was debt of prison, they would serve as a slave for you. I mean, forgive them their debts, you know? It's one of those things, you know, if you ever loan anybody money, the principle in the Bible is, hey, don't, don't expect it in return, right? But forgive those people who are in debt to you, and sometimes people in debt end up in debt to you for all kinds of things, not necessarily monetary. But hey, God, if you forgive me of my sins and I've blown it, I've been so greatly forgiven... Help me to forgive others. You know, there's a, in the Bible it talks about there's a man, you know, he comes and he goes to the king and he owes him a ton of money and the king forgives him for that debt and says, okay, I'm going to forgive you, I'm going to have mercy on you. And he goes out and that guy goes out and immediately and finds somebody that owes him a lot less money and he goes, man, I'm going to throw you in debtor's prison because you owe me. And the king goes, man, how wicked you were. I let you off all this. You know, and sometimes when you sit down and you pray and you be, go before God and you're trying to, your, your heart's not right because, hey, there's sometimes you're hanging on to things. You know, if I say, oh, forgive everybody in your life, you go, well, do I have any unforgiveness? Generally, it doesn't take long for somebody's mind to pop up that, hey, God, I'm still working on forgiving this person. You know, this situation, man, I can't believe that really, that really bothers me, you know. There's, yeah, some terms, chaps my hide. I don't know if that's a good, safe term. Anyways, before my time, kind of. But, um, this would have been shocking, right? I wasn't going to forgive somebody for wronging me. No, they need to pay a debt. They need to be responsible. Stupid should hurt. I mean, that's a good term these days, right? Stupid should hurt, you know? I, I really, really, I'm, I'm sure most of you guys are in the same boat with me on this one. I am praying my mortgage company reads this portion of scripture and starts praying that for me. You know, I'm just saying, that'd be nice. But even when somebody wrongs you, right? The Bible says, hey, if you've wronged somebody else, 
Leave your gift at the altar before you sit down and pray. Go make that right. Go ask for forgiveness. It doesn't say go, go ask for forgiveness if they will forgive you. No. It doesn't matter what they do. Go ask them for forgiveness. Make sure your heart's right. Make sure, hey, I can come before you, God. I can ask for forgiveness. And if there's any area where I'm having a problem with somebody, help me to lay that down. You know what I mean? Let me lay that at your feet. And go there and ask for forgiveness. And so it continues on and it says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, keep us safe from sin. Keep us from sinning more. Help us to be holy. You know, keep us safe from ourselves. Oh yeah, and the evil one. There are two separate things there, you notice? It's one of those things as you sit down and you go back through and you look at this, it's, you know, number one, our Father who art in heaven, who are we praying to? Number two, what is our heart? Is it his plan or our plan? Number three, our needs. Laying our needs, our concerns, our burdens, our cares upon him. He wants us not to carry them around. He wants us to put his burdens, our burdens upon him. It says his burdens are light, his yoke is easy. You know, you ever use the example where, um, here the example, you know, a guy's hitchhiking along, he's got his whole pack and all the weight on it. He's hitching along and somebody stops and picks him up and says, here, let me give you a ride. Sure, the guy gets in the back of the truck and he's sitting there with the backpack on still. It's like, okay, if you're going to trust God with the rest of your life, how about you set that backpack down on the bed of the truck too instead of sitting there holding it still. Okay, God, we're going. No, take that weight off you. He wants to take that from you too. Lay those things down. You know, he didn't, he didn't, they didn't ask him, hey, how, how do we pray? Is this a, a prayer we do? Yeah, there's a, there's a great pattern here. But the pattern is this relationship. It's not the order of things. It's not, oh, I got this. It's realizing, God, number one, who you are. You are my father. Yeah, you're creator in heaven. But you are my father. Right? And, and, and not, not my plan. That's foolish. My plan? No, your will, God. My, my plans are destructive. You know, if I, I prayed according to my will, I'd get myself into all kinds of trouble. All kinds of trouble. But your will, Lord. Meet my needs. God, take my burdens from me. Meet my needs. Be my provider. Whatever the needs are. Health, physical things. Right? Help me to, help me to love those people around me. Be gracious with those people around me. Help me to live a holy life. Keep me from sin. You know, it, it, it's kind of um, interesting, this, this scripture. One of the things growing up, I, I had older siblings, so I didn't have to make all the same mistakes. But I watched my, old, my older brother struggling in sin, and my brother, you know, struggling in sin. I was probably about 10 years old, sitting in the back of Calvary Chapel, Big Bear. And uh, after a, a good worship set with awesome God in it, our God is an awesome God. I just pray and going, God, if I pray according to your will, your Bible's reward says you'll answer it. Right? So I'm going to get you in a catch 22 here. I don't want to sin. I don't want to struggle in that way, God. Don't let me ever, I don't need to walk away from you, struggle with something, and come back. God, just keep me close. I don't want to have to go through these hardships and these pains and the things I'm seeing. And he's answered that. He's been faithful to that. God, keep me from falling into danger. God, help me realize it, you know? And sometimes, yeah, there was times I got into some stuff, not, nothing horrible, but I was stupid. The good thing is most of the time when I wanted to go do something really stupid, I'd get caught before I started. 
praise the Lord, right? He was faithful to that. I didn't know I was ratting myself out before I started something. I was like, man, you know, how, how did you know that came or this situation came about or something just never worked out, you know? And the amazing thing is the times I can think of where I was willing to do something I shouldn't, the opportunity was never there. And when the opportunity was there, I was never willing. That's how awesome God is. I like, you know, there would have been time I would have gone totally that direction and that opportunity God kept me from. That temptation wasn't there. But the other time when I was totally willing, I didn't have the option. It worked out pretty good. Because God was in it. God really, I think, had honored that. You know, Matthews 5, 5, it says, when he, before the same similar prayer, he goes through, if you want to turn there, uh, Matthew 6, 5, actually. It says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners and on the, of the street, that they might be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into a room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your, own, your father, who is in secret place, and your father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not, or do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Kind of interesting that some people, some religious groups have taken this, and what do they do exactly with it? They repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. I'm like, didn't it just say in the verse before there it talks about this not to do? I mean, okay. You know, good luck with that. But you sit there and you look. It's not, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And when it comes down to it, it's about this relationship. Verse 5, he gives kind of two examples here. And, and at first they're kind of hard to wrap my mind around and, and, and just praying about it. And I love how God's sufficient. But in verse 5 it says, and back in Luke, Luke chapter 11, verse 5, and it says, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him in the middle of the night and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me in his, on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer you from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot arise and go to you. And I say to you, though he will not rise and give, you, give to him because he is his friend, yet because his friend is persistent, he will rise and give to him as many as he needs. Now, that's kind of like, man, talk about a bad circumstance, right? You're sitting there, and you're asking your friend in the middle of the night, hey, and at this time, like, it's not like there's breads of, loaves of bread sitting around the house, and he's just got to, it's like almost get up and bake for me. I mean, help me out here, right? Oh, you know, I'm glad I don't have friends that good. No. <laughs> no, there are some people in here that would, we would probably hop to it and get up right away, believe it, you know, amazingly as you think about it. But, you know, if you're sitting there and you're a persistent, you ever have a persistent person and they're asking you for a donation or a handout and, and your thought becomes, okay, you're annoying me. How much is it going to cost me to get rid of you? Not that I care about anything you're doing or anything. you're. I just want to know how much it's going to cost for you to leave me alone, right? 
And, and that's kind of the persistence. And, and it's interesting to think, oh, how does this relate to our God in heaven? I mean, in other words, I got to bug God to change his will to get what? Again, this is all in perspective of what we read, right? Now, he uses this other example, and we're going to talk, at, you know, spend a little time there. It says, it'll help kind of add more light into this, if you would. And so I say to you, verse 9, it says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you who seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If, the, if a son asks for bread from, bread from any father among you, you will give him, would you give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, would you give him a serpent instead of a fish? For if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, if we know as earthly fathers with limited resources on how to give a good gift to our child, right? Doesn't our Father know how to give us good gifts? That seems kind of basic, right? Okay. How many times have you prayed for something that's not a good gift for you, but you thought was? <laughs> like, oh, that got me right there. And I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, I've done that. There's a lot of things I pray for that would be not good for me, right? I think they'd be good for me because, you know, Tim is so smarter, and most of the time I think I'm smarter than God, so God needs to give me this so I can be joyful and happy, right? You know, it, it, it's, it, it's amazing to see. I mean, when you look at it and you, and you see this persistence, it kind of... Let's, let's break it down that way. Your five-year-old comes to you and says, I want a pet rattlesnake. Is there any amount of persistence they're going to have that you're going to give them a pet rattlesnake? No. Why? You know what's going to They're going to get bit at something that's that good. You don't need a pet rattlesnake. All I see just bad. There's nothing good here for you. I don't even have to be God and know what's coming down in the future to find out what's going to be good, you know? BB gun, Okay. Christmas story time, you'd know. You're going to shoot your eye out. I mean, there's certain things you just know this would not be a good gift, no matter how much your child thinks it. But, you know, I watch these snake charmers all the time. You know, I'm five. I've watched all these videos online, so I know how to handle a snake. I'm an expert. Oh, you know, it doesn't matter how much your child would beg. But say, after church, you guys are going to feed your children, I hope. And you plan to feed them, you're going to bless them. Okay, it might be peanut butter jelly, a fish stick. You know, but what if your child says, Dad, I really want red lobster. Okay, um, right away my thought goes, that's nice, we can't afford red lobster. <laughs> right? I go to my resources, right? That's my first thought. But what if resources aren't an issue? Like, you know, because God doesn't have a problem with resources. So if we're persistent with our Heavenly Father, yes, he's going to bless us. But no, we, God, give me, I'd, I'd rather have red lobster. And if resources aren't an option and that thing's good, is there anything going to withhold? No, I like red lobsters too. We'll both go. I mean, right, for us, it's, it's based on our resources. For, for God and a child, hey, yes, I was going to bless you and I'm going to take care of you, but do you want 
something else? Do you want more? I want, you know, we're going to want Red Lobster. Or, or, or the situation, you, you look at those things. We are governed by the lack of what we have. God has no lack. And God has no lack of understanding either of what is good for us. You know, and, and if we really stop and we think about the fact that God understands that, and we don't get focused on the stuff. We can get so focused on our stuff, what we have and what we don't have. It can be silly. I mean, could you imagine you got two kids in the backseat of a car and they're fighting over a Disney coloring book? They're fighting. No, I want that coloring book. No, I want that Disney. And they're fighting. No, I like Disney more than you. And the parents just trying to get them to stop to get them out of the car so they can get into Disneyland. Right? They think, hey, this is the better. This is, look how much I have. He had it before me. You know, he's colored four pages. I got the crane. I mean, the whole argument over, and here, there's Disneyland right out the door. And many times I think, I've done that, and we do that is we sit there and we get, God, but what about this and this blessing? God, I really could use a bigger house. I really could use this and this. And we're so focused on what's right there in front of us. We're missing out on this huge blessing we have. Because we're not there. And it's like, well, if you just get out of the car, if you just slow down, if you just trust me, if you just find out what my will was, it'd be all different. What's just out the door? You know, um, George Mueller, it was, he's been called the apostle of prayer. Great man of prayer. He prayed consistently and stopped continuously. How do you do that? Constantly asking God, but stopping continuously. So when he was praying and God told him, no, don't talk, no, that's not for you, guess what he did? He stopped. Okay, God, you know better. I don't know, I'm thinking this. And if you look at George Mueller's life, can you see there was, I don't see much selfishness in this guy's life. Praying for food to feed you and the kids. So he got some food. I mean, they're start. You look at this guy's life, you don't see him praying for a lot of extra things, or right? But yet, God told him many times, no, and so he would stop. You know, we've prayed about things that seem good. Heidi's health and the lupus. God very clearly said, stop. Don't pray about that anymore. Okay, I'm not pray about that anymore. Can we pray about the symptoms? <laughs> I mean, when you look at some of the stuff, okay, we're going to trust you. God, why have you allowed? I don't know. I'm a child. I don't know what's good for me. I think a snake's going to be great. It's not. Slow down. God, our Father, who created everything, the heavens and the earth, trust Him as a Father. As not just a Father, as a Father who has unlimited resources and knows what's going to happen tomorrow. If He tells you to stop praying about something or answers with a no, it'd be wise to listen to Him. Not pull a Tim and go try to do it anyways. <laughs> no, don't do that. Well, I can figure this out. We just won't pay the rent or mortgage and I can get that boat, huh? No. <laughs> don't look at me. I know some of you guys are very good at doing that too. Flangling the will of God. Okay, if we flip a coin and it's heads or tails, it's definitely God's wills. <laughs> okay, honey, just trust me. I'm being really spiritual right now. But you look at these things and and as it continues on, you look at what is the important thing is where our heart's at in this relationship. This relationship, God loves us. He wants to be in love with us and have this awesome relationship and to bless us. And if we communicate with him and we're willing to allow him to guide and bless us, it, it changes completely. 
The fact we can just come to the God of all creation and talk to him and remember who he is and remember that he doesn't have any evil thoughts towards us, only has thoughts of good, plans to bless us and give us a future. Just look at verse 13 again here. It says, if then being evil, you know how to good, good, give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit. What an awesome thing. Holy Spirit. To be known. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. How do you know you're a believer? Because you're walked, you're full of the Spirit. He's changing you, he's speaking to you, he's loving in you. This knowing of a relationship. You know, if, if there have been many times I've, I've went, when I was in the school of ministry, I literally remember going there and it, it, it stunk. The school was awesome, but what it, my flesh hated it. My spirit was like, yeah, this is good, and I know this is good, and I know this is where God called me, but this stinks. I don't want to wake up early. I, I'm running a roofing company starting at 10 o'clock when everybody's gone, so it just was not, not my plan. The way I wanted to do things, I'm just going, God, I'm sitting down after about two weeks and going, God, I don't want to be, pray about being willing to do this and follow your will. Because I know if I pray that you will change my heart and make me willing to continue to do this, you're going to do it. So God, help me to pray about praying about praying to be willing to pray about doing this. Because <laughs> I just don't want to even get close to it. Because I know what you're going to do. You're going to change my heart and do it. So just... You know, and sometimes my heart's that stubborn. If you don't have a relationship with Christ and you're sitting here and going, I, I don't have that kind of relationship. I don't feel I can call him Father. I can just come to him and sit and I can spend that time with him. If you need to grow in that area, ask him to change your heart. God, change my heart. Create in me a new heart. Give me a heart and a desire. You know, it said if you want to convict everybody in the church, talk, preach on praying. Because when you pull out praying, everybody feels like they don't pray enough. Only unless maybe, you know, an asteroid was heading at the earth a week before. I think that's probably true, right? We all feel like, oh, wait. He wants us to pray. He wants us to hang out. He wants us to communicate. He wants us to be together. And it, it's not a conviction thing. It's a we get to. We get to pray. We get to bring these things here. We get to come to him and say, hey, my heart's off in this situation. And I can't change it. Not my willpower, my, you know, if I do it for 60, my heart, God, I just need a new one. You just need to change my heart on this issue. I don't like that person, and I don't want to have to this, and I don't want to have to do that. And God says, you still got to be married to him, Heidi. And, and no, <laughs> you look at these things, change my heart. Help me to be willing, Lord. Know him in a real way, a personal way. You know, it's interesting to many times to sit down before you pray and go, God, show me what to pray for. I don't even know where to begin. I don't know what to ask for. How many of you guys know what's the best thing for you? I don't know. God, reveal yourself. Show me. Show me what I should be praying for and how I should be praying it. You know, I love the example Chuck Smith gives on this. He was... He, was, he, goes, he says, you know, he was praying once and they're tight on money and they had, back in the day, their gas bill was like $56.32 or something. You know, we all know that's like way back in the day because that doesn't happen anymore, right? But they're praying and they don't have enough money. They got to pay this bill. And he's just praying, God, please provide the 
the $52.60 says this. And so there he's after. And uh, a lady, when he was talking with her, slipped a little note in his pocket. And she, he just, she, she'd always kind of slip little notes in his pocket and just encouragement notes. And this, so she slipped something in his pocket. And he's going home and goes, oh, yeah, there was that note. I wonder what it says. Open it up. And it's exactly what they needed the bill, to the penny. He's like, praise the Lord and stuff. Then he's thinking, man, why didn't he just say, God, give me as much as you want? Why did I limit him to just the one bill? I mean, gosh, man, we've got other bills coming. I mean, why did I limit him? <laughs> why did I put some kind of restraint on him? God, just provide what I need, you know? He goes, why did I limit him? For, you know, if he was going to answer a prayer, we should have gone for something bigger. No. But, you know, and many times we do that and going, God, how, I don't even know how to pray in this situation. I don't know what to pray. God, give me your Holy Spirit. Reveal to me how to pray. Reveal to me what's most important. I ask you, I mean, we can sit here and we can look at that verse and go, don't you know, do you believe God's better than an evil earthly father as far as giving us gifts and loving us? Okay. So if we sat down and said, okay, do you think you have a better plan of what you need for tomorrow? We can all pretty much go, no. Okay. So God, what do you want to do? In my life. What if we sat down and you started praying, God, help me be a better husband to my wife. Show me how to love her more. Change my heart. I, I'm a, man, I don't know about you. I am like 80, slowing down and getting to Heidi's speed. It is and was and continued to be a miracle. Her health has probably changed me so much in our marriage I would have been under a car somewhere still. If I didn't see what she was going through to take the time to spend time with her. I just ADHD, whatever you want to call it, moving 100 miles per hour. God, show me. Change me. Your will is that I be a, a godly man, taking care of my family, loving my wife. You gave me this wife. Show me how to love her. You desired me to love her as a church. Show me how, because I don't know how. Change my heart. Give me a new heart. Show me how to love my wife. Show me how to raise my children. Show me how to love them. I want godly children that love you. Show me how to do it to the best of my ability. Help everything, you know, bless them beyond measure. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me every tool that's needed. He, he's faithful to give the Holy Spirit. And, and guess what? Be consistent at it. If you sit there and keep going, God, I want red lobster. Forget fish sticks. They suck. I would like peanut butter and jelly right now, but there's so much sugar in peanut butter and jelly. But you look at it, right, and pray, you know, God, change my heart. Make me new. God, give me a heart. There's this ministry. There's this thing. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to approach this, but God, you know, you give me a burden for this. Change me. Make it so I can be usable. If, if there's things in my life that are making me unsafe to be able to serve people, Remove them. Change my heart. Let me see them. Give me eyes to see. Let me see the sin in my life that I'm excusing clearly. I want to be safe. I want to be used. You know, the, the um, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, a book they read when the church was began, and one we were encouraged to read again, I think, last year. You look at it. I love that guy's prayer. He goes, God, do something or take me home. If you're not going to use me here for your kingdom, if you're not going to pour into my life. If you're not going to do anything, God, I'd rather be in heaven. Get me out of here. I didn't, you know, I want to see you work. I want to be part of what you're doing. 
I want to I see lives changed. I want to see people that are hurting go through it. And my heart, the spirit inside me says, yes, I want to do those things. My flesh goes, no, there's going to be sacrifice in life. Good, change my heart. Get rid of that man. Let me not see the things and be enticed by the things of this world and the desires of this world. Show me, change me, create in me a new heart. God, you give me a ministry. He's going to answer and go, cool, I'll give you a ministry. It's going to take a pruning, or in your case, Tim, a stumping. We're just going to cut you off, pull out the root grinder. We can start over again. In a couple weeks, probably going to have to do that again with a pruning every year, you know? God's faithful in those things, but change me. Help me to be willing to let you change me. God, help me to pray, to pray, to pray, to be willing to let you change my heart so I can be used. Help me to be safe to those who are hurting, to the world who's lost. Give me a desire for the lost like yours. I want to have your heart, Lord. I want to have your eyes. I want to have your vision. You know, when we sit down and you look at this, and you just go back through it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins. For we also forgive everyone else who is indebted to us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, help us just to have that heart of coming to him, having that relationship, that communication. Look forward to that communication. You know, there's, there's stages in life as, you, as you're married and you grow up and you have kids, you know, and there's stages where there's just, you know, sometimes there's just time where you're not going to get to talk with your spouse and spend that time in that relationship. I kind of think it's hilarious. Sometimes you think of, oh, I want to marry this person because I just want to be around them all the time. And then you have kids and you have life and you find out you get no time with that person. You're always around each other, but you get no time. And if you do have time, it's, you know, to do something stressful together, you know, or something, you know. You know, we, we were talking um, with, with some friends of ours about that. And when we were, especially when we had young kids, you know, and get home from work and, you know what our time was? When I got home from work, I generally had a shower off because I was so dirty before I could go to the rest of the house. And with me, you know, going 100 miles per hour in my mind, it was the only place Heidi could get me still for a moment. So our time was when I came in all dirty, she'd jump in the bathroom and sit there while I was in the shower and we'd talk. And that, you know, that's all the time we got, you know. And, but yet we loved, couldn't wait to get time together. Can't wait to get time together, you know? And then the funny thing is, you know, you're sitting there and you get time together and it's like, what do you do? You talk about your kids. It's like, as our kids are getting older, we're going to go, what's going to happen like this new season? Now, I guess then you complain about your adult kids and how they're not, we didn't raise them that way. I don't know. There'll be something, you know, I'm sure there's something to complain about. But you let's sit there and you look at that time and go, man, you can't wait to get time. God, give me a heart, change in my heart that I have a desire to have time with you, that I'm in love with you, that I just want to sit down and look at our Father in heaven and change me. God, I don't want to be here if not. If, if, if you can't change me and the, take this man of sin and use me, get me out of here. Just take, put this dead body in the grave. We'll get out of here. I'll be in heaven. I don't got to deal with it. So either deal with it here or deal with it there, but, you know, get me out of here. 
You know, I love a, um, an older brother, friend of ours, uh, Don Foster. He was 102 or something when he passed away. Old man. You know, he, he came into church once and he had a bounce in his step. And uh, my mom, you know, said, oh, Don, what's going on? She goes, uh, he's had bypass surgery, all kinds of stuff, you know. And he goes, they say I have asbestosis. My mom goes, that's not good. He goes, yeah, I know. It said they could even kill me. Walked in the church smiling. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I talked to him. He goes, yeah, you know, my wife passed away when I, when I was 65, and she told God on me, and that's why he's holding out as long as he can. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we'll just leave him down there as long as we can so I don't have to deal with him up here. But, you know, just that joy of, I mean, here he is, and he's like, woohoo, they told me I could die. And it's like, really, you know? But... Um, that was Don Foster. What a joy. So, you know, and that's where I pray our, our, our hearts are. And, and even if your heart isn't there, take the time this morning as we close in worship. Ask the Lord, change my heart. It's not there. I, I, there's many times I've sat and go, I understand your word. I hear it. It logically makes sense. I know this is right, but my heart's not there. I know this is the best thing for me. I know there's nothing else in this world that's going to keep me happy. I know if I, what I got, what I want would be stupid and dangerous. It would be like playing with a rattlesnake. God, change my heart. Change my heart that I love you. Change my heart that you'd be able to use me. Show me your heart. Use me in ways that are amazing. Where I get to just sit there and glorify you and just get excited about what you're doing and what you've done. And you know, do that awesome miracle of changing my heart. So let's pray. Dear God, I just pray that you would just draw us all more near to you each and every day, that we would grow in our relationships with you, that you would consistently be speaking to our hearts, changing our hearts. God, help us to share your heart with others. God, help us to, to just not stop asking, not stop seeking. Never settle for the situation or the place we're in because you, we know you desire us to grow and grow and that you have so many more blessings for us. Help us to always seek you, always be asking, coming to you as your children. Help us always just have a good perspective of who you are, how awesome you are and how loving you are. In Jesus' name, amen.